0: Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, I was having some trouble with uh, one of the electronic devices in my home. And I learned a long time ago that when that happens, I just should immediately call technical support because I don't know anything about these things. So I was talking to a nice young gentleman on the phone, and he was working me through some possible fixes for my problem, but nothing was working. And so, finally, he said, all right, well, do you have a paperclip? And I thought, why are we talking about office supplies, right? I mean, like, this doesn't make any sense, but whatever. I was like, I guess I do. Why? He said, all right, find a paperclip, open it up, unbend it. And on the side of the device, you'll see this tiny little hole that's just big enough to stick the end of that paperclip in, which to me sounded terrifying, right? And it's an electronic device, but whatever. I said, okay. I said, so stick it in and hold it for about 20 seconds and then release. And then you're going to have to set your whole device back up because what that does is it resets it back to factory defaults. But it should fix the problem. I said, okay, thanks. That seems sort of helpful. But just a question: why did you hide the button? <laughs> and I mean, like, it seems like a fairly important thing to be able to find. Like, that, that seems kind of sneaky. And he said, because we don't want you to touch that button, right? This shouldn't be easy. You shouldn't touch it by mistake because it takes a lot of work, and you don't want to do this all the time. This morning, we are continuing this conversation about Sabbath, this gift of holy rest that God gives to God's people, but also to all peoples to slaves and servants, to foreigners, neighbors, strangers, and indeed to all created things, to livestock, wild animals, and the soil itself. This gift of six days to work and one day to rest, it extends then to to farming itself where we work the soil for six years and then for one year the soil gets a break too. And then today we hear about the sort of radical conclusion of what this Sabbath life looks like And that is that after a week of years, that is seven times seven of six years of work and one year of rest for the soil, at the end of those 49 years, you blow a trumpet and the 50th year is called Jubilee. And the Jubilee year is a a year in which everything gets reset. It goes back to factory default. If you have moved over the last couple generations, your family goes back To where you were before. If you have bought and sold land or come into debt, or if other people owe you something, in that year, all debts are canceled. Everything goes back to the way it was before, and you go back, and everybody gets a vine and a fig tree and a little plot of land on which to grow food for your family. And we start again. We just reset. Sounds cool, right? And also, Totally insane. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine what it would look like if we just all of a sudden canceled all debts and said everybody's going back to where we were before? The trillions of dollars that we owe to the rest of the world? the, The trillions of dollars owed by other countries to other countries and to international banks if all of a sudden we just canceled all that debt? Which, by the way, we tried some of that about 15 years ago at the turn of the millennium. There was a movement called the Jubilee to try and release some of the debts owed by developing third world countries, two-thirds world countries, to former colonial masters and international banks. And and we made some progress. But imagine if all debt, literally all, was just wiped away. $1.3 billion of student loans owed in the United States just disappeared. All our mortgages? It's crazy, right? And it sounds almost irresponsibly impractical. And it probably is. Indeed, we don't have any historical record that says that this year of Jubilee ever actually occurred, that they ever really put it into practice. Now, that doesn't mean that it didn't necessarily happen, it just means we don't have a historical record. But it does sound a little too good to be true. And yet, I want to caution us, because it seems to me that often when we are confronted by Scripture with things that seem really radical or or almost extreme, that it is so easy to just quickly dismiss them as impractical, right? God must really be thinking about something else, because no one would ever ask that of me, right? So when Jesus says to the rich young ruler, sell everything and give it to the poor and then come and follow me, and everybody says... Yeah, no way. (laughs) That's not what he's talking about. And when Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, and we turn on the TV and we say, yeah, but he didn't know about these guys. I mean, they're really scary. That there is a tendency when, when God asks of us really great things, huge, impossibly difficult things, that we just immediately dismiss them as impractical and never really ponder what what was God thinking in the first place? What's this about to begin with? So what is the Jubilee about? What is this dream that God has of a world in which every 50 years we just reset? And we start over. Well, it seems to me that before we could even begin to ponder the Sabbath of rest... And this Jubilee year, we would first have to completely and totally surrender any notion that anything belongs to us at all. Right? We'd have to completely surrender the notion that, that this property that I've put my name on, or staked my flag in, or, or purchased a deed or a title for actually belongs me that anything, anything at all, is mine. But that instead, all of it, and all that I am, belongs to God. Period. Because what debt does, and we all have debt, what debt does is it puts somebody else, usually a bank, in between us. And God, we belong to them. I don't own my house. The bank owns my house. And I send them a check every month for the privilege of getting to live there. But it's theirs. It puts other things between us and the one who truly owns us and all things. And so for us to even imagine what it would look like to just release all of that we'd have to first be willing to give up the idea that anything belongs to us or to them at all. Which, again, is extremely difficult to wrap our head around because of all of the ways in which ownership and belongings are fully intertwined in our lives. But folks, no matter what your bank account looks like, no matter who you owe or who owes you, no matter what titles or deeds you might have in your safety deposit box, no matter what you think you might have or own that might belong to you or to your neighbor, the reality is, when we all go down to the dust and return to the soil, you can't take any of that with you. None of it. When we return to the earth... All debts are off. I know that's not how it works with the state law, by the way, but just run with me here, right? All debts are off. And you belong to God. To God alone. Which means, of course, that your promised future that where you ultimately are going, what ultimately will be said of you, what ultimately matters about you, what is your value and your worth is utterly independent on what you have done or left undone in the past. Of what you owe or are owed. Of the choices you have made responsible or irresponsible. History matters. Context matters. It is informative, but it is not Determinative. Because in the ultimate sense and in the final reality, who you are and where you're going depends entirely on the one who owns you. And that is God. And that gift of holy and final and complete rest is a gift that God alone can give. And we glimpse it When we release, release ourselves and others from the idea that we belong to anything other than God. And the church has given us gifts by which to taste and see that ultimate reality, that promise that lies ahead. And that infiltrates our lives whenever we dare to be forgiving or forgiven. Because we don't check your mortgage statement or your bank accounts or your student loan statement before we serve you this meal. For the table belongs to God and to God alone, and God is abundantly gracious. We don't ask you who you've hurt or who's hurt you for a full remuneration of all the things that you have done or left undone before we wash you in the waters of life, or sprinkle and spray and remember that gift by which God claimed you and all that you are forever. Because your promised future is not in any way dependent on the cycles of debt or guilt or shame or glory or envy or greed or anything else that has gone before. And so taste and see. Hold in your hand, glimpse this gift that all that you are and all that you will be has already been given by the gracious and loving gift of God. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.